and four, we're going to have a crack for the third time. The uh, old recorders are having good fun with it. But anyway, so we're going to start off with a bit of a new segment. Um, I'm going to crack on and we're going to pick a sport each. So, uh, Cootie, you, oh, I'm, I'm starting with basketball. Cootie, what are you going to have a crack with? Uh, I'm going to go F1 then. If we pick them one, I'm going to talk about F1 because that's kicking off next weekend. That's fair, F1. And, uh, and you wanted to have a talk about some AFL gear as well too, didn't you? Uh, yeah, that'll, that'll kind of link into my wanker of the week, but we'll, we'll get to that. All oh, right, fair enough, too easy. And uh, Bondo, what about you? What are you looking for? Uh, I'm talking V8 supercars today, mate. All oh, right, the season kicking off for that too. Happy days. Um, well, what I might do is I'll uh, I'll lead off with some basketball stuff. I picked a few things that I wanted to to look at. Um, I mean, the first one, which is the biggest news of the week, is that uh, the Spurs beat uh, the Orlando Magic in the bowl of people that aren't going to make this playoffs. But anyway, that's all right. They won by one point, so I'm staying. <laughs> um, but um, I guess for me the, the two biggest stories One in the States and then one back home in Australia Was um, overseas Steph Curry, um, he's been out since October um, He broke his hand So the poor bloke, he's, uh, he's struggling along um, But he's looks like he's going to be returning in March He was meant to, he was aiming for the 1st of March um, But uh, he's, he's one of the, obviously the best players in the NBA uh, but, I mean, the Gold State Warriors aren't exactly playing for much because they've got a record of 13 and 13 wins and 47 losses, so they're coming last presently. Um, but um, that's that's what happens when, I guess, you go from being a super team to having, you know, one guy trying to carry the entire team. Who is it, LeBron James? <laughs> exactly right. Um, but um, then on the other side of things, uh, coming back home to Australia, the good news is that the NBL's actually made it the whole way through to the end of the season. Um, and uh, it's going to be they're going to be playing through semi-finals at the moment. Um, Cairns and Perth Wildcats um, have won a piece, one have won one apiece. We don't quite get game seven here in Australia. We only get up to game three, um, but they're forced to game three, which is quite exciting. Um, Cairns and Perth have been back and forth, back and forth. They've been really, really good competitive games. Um, and then, of course, on the other side, you got Sydney Kings and Melbourne. Um, they're going through. They've only got their, their second game to come up. Um, after Sydney wins, won the first game. So if they, obviously if they beat Melbourne again, they'll go straight through. But, um, hopefully Melbourne, um, comes back and has a good crack and beats them and, um, makes the game three to make things a bit more exciting. But, um, obviously we're coming close to the grand final in the NBL, which will be really, really good to see. Um, it'll probably, I would say my tip's going to be, uh, Sydney and Perth and then Perth to win it all. Um, I think the Wildcats are probably the better team. Um, but we'll see how we go. But yeah, so that, that's the main bits in the news for, for basketball at the moment, um, outside of, Milwaukee having clinched a playoff berth already because um, they're just that far ahead and they're just having one of the best seasons, historically speaking. Just on that, though, there, there's a great little plug there for them is they, they have become the first team in NBA history to clinch a playoff spot before February 23rd. There so they've go. become, the, the, for the, in NBA history, they're the first, well, I don't know how to say it, they've clinch the playoff seat before or earliest in the season before anyone else has ever done it in NBA history, which is a bit strange. And they, they did it not even playing a game. It took a result in the league somewhere else for them to technically clinch a playoff spot. But, um, yeah, they're the first to do it before the February 23rd, which I thought was pretty crazy. That's bananas, man. I mean, considering some of the teams in the, you've had before, like the, you know, the Jordan-led Bulls and all that sort of stuff and, and the Celtics that have played, um, it, it's just... That's just nuts, like getting up that crazy. That, that's, it, it's phenomenal. They're having one of the all-time seasons with the Greek free play and all the rest that they've got going for them, and they're just a really well-rounded team, and they just can't seem to be beaten very often at all. I think they've only lost like seven or eight times 
Um, yeah, this whole thing. ridiculous like that. It's crazy, yeah. It's going to be nuts. Um, but yeah, that's, so that, that's the big news for me. Uh, why don't we, why don't we kick over to, uh, have a look at some, why don't we look at some F1 news, mate? Yeah, so we had, uh, pre-season testing just wrapped up. The, uh, I think it was seven, eight days worth of, uh, testing over in, um, Spain. Um, a lot of, as usual, the mixed reports. I think the biggest thing that I really look is, um, obviously Mercedes has still proven themselves to be the team to beat. Um, I love the phrase of Formula One, especially the technical side of it, but the phrasing around every team looking for the unfair advantage. Uh, Mercedes have definitely been this team again in the off-season because they've come up with a, a DAS system in their steering, dual-axle oh, steering. It's called, a, it's called DAS, a dual-axle steering. Virtually, it mm-hmm. means by pushing and pulling on the steering rod, the driver in the car actually changes the dynamics of the front toe on the front wheels. So on the straight, they actually pull or push, whichever mechanism it is, and it changes the toe and camber of the front wheels. Right, right. So it's kind of like how, because I know like in um, in Ducati, like in the motorcycles, they have the um, like all the assisted steering and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's it's something that's been around for a little while, but I'm guessing that that's probably a super duper, you know, like ridiculous boffin advanced version of it. Yeah, it's so so they because Mercedes are quite tight lipped about the potential advantages this does have from whatever experts say. It looks like it. It allows them to heat the tyres, or definitely in the front tyres, up more evenly because as they turn onto the straight, they, uh, I guess, uh, push the tyres as, like, completely flat. So they, what, positive camber the tyres out to straight again, allowing them to heat the, uh, the whole width of the tyre up more efficiently. And then as they come into the corner they pull or pull or whatever direction again to then put that back into the positive camber um, yeah right this this the only reason that you assume that this has some form of dra- uh, advantage or driver aid is that the FIA have already come out and they've banned it for next season so obviously can't already ban it so this <laughs> tells you straight off the bat that these guys are a bit cheeky and and the FIA I mean obviously they police everything so if something comes out they don't like they just ban it so, yeah, the fact it's already been banned this year is kind of led to leave that it has some form of driver aid beyond what the car actually provides. So um, that was kind of one of the biggest stories. Um, obviously, from the Australian point of view, it's all about Daniel Ricciardo. Um, I'll do a little plug they had for the Netflix series Drive to Survive, which um, featured him quite a bit on there. Um, yeah, I did see pop up. looks pretty interesting. It's, it's a really good look at behind the scenes. As I said, Daniel was on there quite a bit. He is amazingly funny on there and as Aussie as you could probably project. There's a line in there that I really want to say, but I'll hold off for the podcast. Um, but, yeah, do yourself a favour and watch it. It's really good. And it kind of caps off, like, uh, the start of the season. But I don't think things are going to change too dramatically in the Formula One world. Mercedes are clearly the team to beat. Um, that mid-pack is going to be even closer than it was last year, I believe. Um but I think all eyes will be on Daniel Ricciardo when he comes down to Melbourne next weekend. That sounds good, man. No, that, it'll be uh, the, the Melbourne race is going to be pretty massive, I reckon. But um, and did, did you want to did you want to talk about the AFL stuff, or did you want to save that for later? Uh, we'll save it for later because it'll roll into that quite nicely. All right, fair enough. Well, Bondi, let's let's have a chat about some V8s, mate. What's what's happening with the V8s? Yeah, mate. So. James Courtney is the big news in the V8s uh, at the moment. So 
he joined new team to the um, to the competition team Sid. Yeah. Right. After he was with Walkinshaw and Dreddy, um, to try and chase a victory. Team Sydney almost uh, didn't come to fruition because of uh, a dealer's got an agreement with um, partnership at the start. Um, and now James Courtney, two races in, has pulled the pin on Team Sydney and took the major sponsor of Boost Mobile with him. Um, he's got no plans for the future, uh, but cites irreconcilable differences uh, for the split. Uh, so big shake-up after. <laughs> so, yeah, two races. First race did not finish. Second race, 15th place. Um, so not a great start to the season when you're looking at chasing wins. Um, but, yeah, big impact on Team Sydney losing their major sponsor of Boost Mobile. Um, and probably one, well, one of their drivers, um, and probably the seasoned driver of the two as well, being 39 years old, uh, plenty of experience walking out the door with him. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty big deal because, I mean, like Boost Mobile is basically Telstra owned. So, I mean, that's one of the biggest companies going uh, in Australia. So, I mean, losing that kind of corporate backing is quite big alone by itself, let alone an experienced driver. So, I mean, did they sort of say much about what they're going to be doing going forward? Or uh, So James Courtney's got no plans, but Team Sydney um, has got a couple of out-of-contract drivers that it could probably throw to, uh, but they haven't really um, said anything in stone yet. I think it's uh, a bit fresh um, for anything like that. They've got a couple of weeks before the next race to get things firmed up. So uh, either way, it's not going to be in a driver with current experience um, in the no, V8. So um, they might be calling up someone from um, one of the lower categories to race or, like I said, one of the uh, one of the older heads that have, that's previously retired. So uh, we'll see how we go. But keep your eyes on Team Sydney and see how they move forward. Well, mates, uh, I've got a feeling that they're gonna. I'm going to get a phone call shortly and they're going to ask me to chuck a helmet on and off I go. Yeah, mate, power to weight ratio is not in your favour there. <laughs> hey, it's going to be spectacular, mate. It's going to be spectacular. Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll just get stuffed then, mate. That's fine. Hey, look, I'm working hard on it. I'm putting dairy. I'm turning it around. I'm turning it around, right? Fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> mate, uh, that's, that sounds pretty handy, though. So, I mean, there's interesting all the, the big headlines that are getting around, but... Um, uh, it's going to be interesting as well. I mean, just generally news speaking wise, I mean, there's, there's plenty of things happening though. We've got the NRL kicking off soon. It's in preseason AFL. We've just, in the, you know, we just did our draft, um, which, uh, which for our, for, for our AFL fantasy, which was a big bit of fun. I was pretty stoked. I got the first pick. So happy days. Uh, Brody Grundy, here I come. Um, uh, but then of course, you know, we've got everything kicking off. I mean, the NBL is about to finish. The NBA is almost through. There's so much sport going on. The NFL, I, I did want to talk about the NFL combine a bit. Um, but um, that's going to be a tough one. But they're, they're all there's um, basically they're getting as many college level students to come over and see who can run the fastest, um, which is fun. Um, right. but, um, right. It's whoever can run forty yards as fast, and whoever's got the biggest hands. It's all about hand size in the NFL. Oh, except apparently Joe Burrow, right? He only has nine inch hands. The poor guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jeez, mate. Is he going to be Just okay? To find, I find a chink in the armor of anything that why this guy won't be successful. Right there, he's got. Below average hand size for a quarterback of his of uh, his stature. So yeah, 
That's, that's exactly right, mate. I mean, you know, nothing to say that Patrick Mahomes only has nine and a half inch hands and he just won the, <laughs> the Super Bowl MVP, but, you know, whatever, man. Whatever. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, it's a final you know, loss because he has small hands. Who would have thought? That's, he's, a, he's a battler, mate. He's a battler. But exactly. uh, There's your true uh, underdog right there. That was your underdog. Oh, that's the underdog. <laughs> yeah, he overcame hand size to be arguably the greatest NFL player in recent memory. There you go. 100%, mate. 100%. <laughs> All right. Now, one of the other things we wanted to talk about um, today was having a look at um, basically we wanted to go with uh, one negative and one positive, um, I felt, today anyway. One one being the most hated teams in sports history, right? So that's that's uh, that's one of the fun ones to do because there's it's easy to hate so many people. Um, but then on the other side of things, we want to also talk about the, the best single seasons in history. So either from you know, whether it be like a team or an individual or whatever it may be. So we'll go, we'll start off with the, with the, the negative one of the most hated teams in sports though. So for me, uh, I looked at, I looked at a bunch. Like I've got, there's, there's so many teams to, that I, I could, I could talk about. But, um, Bondi, why don't you, why don't you kick us off, mate? Who's your, one of your most hated teams? Well, until I explain this, uh, there's going to be a bit of uproar, but the Australian cricket team. <laughs> right. <laughs> Righto. So. Let me take you back to 1981, 1st of February. Uh, Trevor Chappell is instructed to bowl an underarm delivery by his brother, Greg, uh, right. to beat New Zealand uh, in the test series over in New Zealand. Uh, so New Zealand required six off the last ball to win, or to tie the game, sorry. Um, mm. And Trevor was bowling to the number 10 batsman. So... You know, the odds are already cut right down in Australia's favour there, but uh, back in 1981, it was legal to bowl an underarm delivery, although it had been outlawed uh, in places like England. Uh, still yep. legal um, in Australia and New Zealand. So Trevor Chappell bowled the underarm delivery. Uh, his eldest brother, Ian, was heard saying in the commentary box, no, Trevor, no, uh, when he bowled it. Uh, and then Richie Benno followed up to say that it was disgraceful and one of the worst things he's ever seen on the cricket field. Um, right. The New Zealand Prime Minister um, said it's the most disgusting incident he's seen in cricket history. Um, and Trevor Chappell uh, has warned that ever since. So uh, you look at Trevor Chappell in Google, that's the first thing will come up. Um, so his fantastic um, cricketing career overshone by... One incident uh, instructed by his brother, the captain, at the time to uh, bowl that underarm delivery. And, uh, yeah, the fallout from that was just massive. Um, Australia, New Zealand, around the world. Um, and, like I said, he still wears it today. So, yeah, the Australian cricket team in 1981. That's fair. That's a fair one to, to, to pick off. I mean, I thought you were going to go with the uh, the uh, sandpaper in the balls, but um, that was... Sorry, uh, that... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's, it's a rich area, mate. Apparently, we've done some dodgy shit over the years. Like, it must make us like a cycle. Like, every, every 35 years, we go and do something stupid. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but that's a good one to pick, mate, because uh, that that's something that, I mean, it, it's a famous replay that gets, it happens all the time. I mean, it, it's just, it's one of those ones where you just sit there going, like, Jesus, I, I can't believe we actually kind of did that. It's like, it, it's the least sportsmanlike thing. I mean, I've seen plenty of games where it makes it more exciting for the fans. I remember watching... It was just an exhibition game between New Zealand and, and, the, and the Queensland Bulls back years and years ago. 
and Jimmy Ma was playing, and, and he hit a six off the last ball to tie the game, and, and it was just, it was, it was just, a, it was a great thing to watch, and it's, it's something that I've remembered since I was like a ten year old. But we're, you know, it's, it's just, you know, one of those things. So for us to, to do that, I mean, I, I was, uh, I, I wasn't even born then, but it's still, it's something that we all know about. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's fair. Well, Kuti, what about you? Who's your most hated person in sport, or most hated team in sport? So I thought this would be a really exercise to do. And it turns out that I hate a lot of different teams for some really, like, because it's clearly a personal view. There's a lot of teams <laughs> that I hate out there. Like, Collingwood springs to mind straight away because I'm a Carlton fan. Hey, hey. And, well, well. and not because of, not because of any other reason, but because of the simple fact that I am a Carlton fan, they go, I have to hate Collingwood. That's fair. That's a fair point because I feel the same way about Essendon and Carlton. It's just how it is. But the other, but on the flip side, that as a Carlton fan, you look for the, when it's Carlton Collingwood, you, like you look forward to those games. Yes, you're right. No, you're exactly right because I mean you, you want to go see because it's such a big rivalry. It's such a big, uh, a big game, a big event. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I looked at the way I looked at it through the way of what's a team that or, or in any sport that you hate that. I just I don't want to know anything about. I I'm not going to watch it. They're just I'm sick of seeing them, and it I can't escape it. And I talk a lot of NFL, I guess, because the season's just ending. But it has to be the New England Patriots. Yeah. That's so as a Chargers fan, how hold no? There's no real rivalry there or anything. It's purely based around the simple fact that we're all sick of seeing New England win still, mm. or still see them being competitive and that that. So they're, they're also a, a team that's done some dodgy shit over the years as well <laughs> that haven't exactly, you know, you, you can use the phrase unfair advantage as well. They've had Spygate and Deflategate and um, all the controversies around the team. You, you throw, to a lesser extent, the Hernandez um, and some of the other players that they've had on their team as well. So the, the, it's just a team that you're sick of hearing about. And even in the off-season, I, all I hear about is where's Tom Brady going to play and then yep. we wait for that domino to fall before the, all the other quarterbacks figure out where they're going. I'm like, how does the senior citizen in professional sports still dictate the layout for a land of that position? It's still baffling. Yep. So, yeah, for me, it's New England. But the sheer fact that I'm just I'm sick of them winning, which is a really sad thing, but still. No, man, no, that's it's true though. I mean, it, it's the same to be said of uh, of you know the New York Yankees uh, or. Um, uh, the Lakers or anything like that. these teams that have won huge amounts of, of, of trophies and like and the Yankees got something like like twenty twenty seven I think it is um, winning seasons and and those are not winning seasons as in championship trophies yeah um, yeah yeah can't win that many in in the last hundred years without you know people hating them. <laughs> exactly it's it's a funny one because I'm sure if I was ever from that area you'd go I love New England they're awesome they're amazing how well is that how good is that team but mm. if you're not from that area everyone else in the world hates you. On the sheer fact that you just win all the time, hundred percent. That's exactly right, and that's. I guess that's that's. Uh, but I mean, the 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 thing with uh, I guess the team that I picked uh, was the team that won, but for the wrong reasons. And and it's an old old okay. one, um, but it's it's uh, it's an old one that's been around for a long time. But it gets brought up, and because we're coming into a, into the Olympics, and you know, sort of t- towards I think we're about one hundred and hundred and fifty days from the Olympics or something like that. Um, and that's why I picked this one because it's been brought up so many times already. Is the East German swim team now? It's been out of it for a long time, um, but this is back in 1976, right? So the, the 
the team was they they you know they had hair on their knuckles like that's how doped up they were um and uh they basically went and won 11 of 13 possible gold medals and they just destroyed everybody in 1976 right and then um basically when um when they uh when they their steroid use was exposed and Basically, they they um, they just became a symbol of you know they of what not to do. Basically, um, they lost all their gold medals, obviously, and uh, and everything like that. But um, but it was just ridiculous when um, they uh, they were just obviously like these hulking, huge people that were just like basically swimming against you know robots. Um, they were just that quick. But um, but that I, I think that um, similar to I guess what Bondi's one was before, where it just becomes unsportsmanlike. I mean, it's not based on talent. Like you know, I mean, you hate New England because they win all the time. Um, but that's purely because they got Bill Belichick and Tom Brady for, for 20 years. Um, whereas if they're winning through doing something dodgy, like bowling an underarm delivery or shoving steroids in themselves, yeah. that's when I get real shit it off. <laughs> yeah, and rightly so. That's it. That's what I figured too. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of other things you can hate. I mean, there's plenty of teams um, that you can hate as well. And people also dislike uh, the Patriots because of, uh, what, what was it? what are they called, Deflategate? Yeah, Deflategate. They hadn't, so th- there's a couple of these. So there was the Deflategate was the, um, I think it was when they played the Colts or something. That's right, and, yeah, they were yeah, playing against the Colts, yeah. Uh, ball tampering was, was part of it. They were allegedly deflating the Colts balls or something. And they had one a while ago, um, in, I think it was 2004 when they played uh, Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl, apparently they had like someone who was apparently disguised as a construction worker, uh, filming. That's right. Yeah. Their, um, England's, um, practice and getting all their plays down on camera so they could then study later, apparently. But again, all of this was never really strictly proven. Therefore, it just has that aroma of foul play to it. But yeah, still. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not really ideal. I mean, like, and then, of course, Bondi, what you were talking about before with Australian cricket, we did it again, only was Steve Smith and, uh, oh, God, I've, I've lost the, the name of the kid that actually did it. Dave Warner and Cam Bancroft were the two. That's Bancroft, right, Cam yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it was pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts. Um, no pun intended. But, yeah, it, it's <laughs> one of those things that happens in sport is people just want to win. I mean, you think back to... Um, the American bobsled team back in the day, I mean, the, you know, the, they made the, the joke out of it with uh, with the Jamaican bobsled team um, when he came back to coach them uh, after losing all his gold medals and that sort of thing for hiding weights in the sleds and that sort of stuff. Um, but it's interesting though. But it's, uh, but that's anyone else? Do you guys have any other um, any other big ones you want to talk about uh, in terms of people that you just can't stand or teams that you hate? No, no, not really, no. No, like that. Well, let's move on to something more positive then. Uh, so the, the, the greatest single seasons uh, or the most dominant seasons or however you want to look at it um, in, in sporting history. Now, for me, there's been uh, there's been a lot. I mean, you could look back at, in, at golf, um, at, at tennis, um, you know, whatever you want to go through. But probably for me, um, I love I love the NFL. So I, I wanted to stick with um, with some with the NFL. So I looked at uh, Barry Sanders. Um, Back when when we were born, the year we were born, he's that's where he was famous coming out of um, Oklahoma State, and um, he basically went on obviously to be obscenely successful in the NFL. Um, but he won the Heisman Trophy, um, and the future he basically went on to obviously play for Detroit. Um, but he in the Oklahoma State he won 
he, he rushed for 2,628 yards and 39 touchdowns. And then that, that hasn't been beaten yet in 25 years later. Um, since that time, he, it just hasn't, he's just ridiculous. 7.6 yards per carry. He got more than 300 yards in four games. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, that, that's more than most on- offenses get by themselves. Um, you know, and the, the man was just a, a prototypical ridiculous guy that just went out and just destroyed everybody. But, um, Barry Sanders, uh, was probably, I think he has to be, uh, if not the greatest, then he'd be, I couldn't think of one that would beat him too much, too much better than him. So he's my pick for, for the greatest season, um, basically, or the most dominant season, um, from, from a single player. But that's what I reckon. What do you guys think? Yeah, mate, that's awesome. Um, that's crazy stats right there. Like, what'd you say? Over two Ks in a season he carried. Oh, he got 2,628 yards, um, and 39 touchdowns. Yeah, rushing. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. I couldn't rush for that many yards that week. Like, just, just walking, like, I'd be stuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I'll go for my guys now. So, uh, I basically went to Hollywood for this one uh, and looked at the movie Moneyball. So, a bit of a baseball fan, haven't followed it for a while. Um but the history behind Moneyball, uh, the Oakland A's um, hadn't had too much success in their uh, baseball history uh, and then uh, decided to throw to a guy um, and go statistics over um, pure playing ability um, mm-hmm. and form team, not the best players on the park, but the best team on the park. Um, so they won, or they broke a couple of records in that year. So they went 103 wins, 59 losses, uh, which was a Western Conference record. Uh, 20 consecutive games, uh, they won, which is, which was the first time in over 100 years that had been done. Uh, this is in 2002. Uh, they won the division, obviously. Um, but, uh, postseason didn't go too well for them. So, uh, they lost against the Minnesota Twins in the American League divisional season, who then went on to lose against the Anaheim Angels in the World Series, but, uh, went down 3-2, um, after an amazing season. Um, so I thought that would definitely worth the mention. That's, that, mate, that's, that's a, that's a cracking one, because I know that, I mean, they, they wouldn't have, turned it into such a massive movie and they wouldn't have gotten guys like Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill to come and play um, in that movie and, and get such a... Because I've seen that movie probably like 50 times. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge, huge fan of it, mate. So um, I, I think it, it's great because, I mean, and the, the thing that I, I thought was great about um, Billy Bean um, and, of course, um, him taking that, that idea and using it was that um, it, it's something that I think happens in sport every now and again that just this changes the way people think about things. Uh, and and if, if you change the game and really do something, uh, I guess, revolutionary, um, it's not something that happens too often. Um, but, I mean, guys like, for example, Will Chamberlain in, uh, Will Chamberlain in, um, in basketball and then, you know, Greg Popovich later down the track. Um, or you've got, you know, guys in the AFL like Mick Malthouse is a spectacular example. And there's just guys that were just, 
brilliant that just changed the game forever, but he's definitely one of the space more for sure. Yeah, definitely. Kuti, who did you who did you have a crack at? What do you who do you think was your greatest individual season? Uh, like most things, I tried to put Carlton in these conversations. Um, sadly, <laughs> sadly, the only thing that came close to a perfect season in VFL AFL history was Collingwood in like 1923, and I thought, well, we won't talk about that one. No, so that, I think they went at like 18 and 0 in the regular season, and like bowed out to Richmond and got smashed. But I thought, well, we can't really talk about that. Um, I flirted with the 72 Dolphins in the NFL. The only well, team who actually go undefeated and go on to win the Super Bowl. Wow. Um, and that team, they did it kind of the rule of the time. They did it with like three running backs, kind of similar to what Jimmy G tried to do this year by like just running the ball more often than not. Um, and they had big power. They had big Larry Zonka. And if you had a guy with a name like that in your team, he'd just, he, he wouldn't, he'd just take the ball from him anyway. Um, and if Larry wasn't a power back, mate, I'd be, uh, I'd be very. If he was, if he turned out to be some like seventy kilo wide receiver, I'd be, uh, I'd be really annoyed by that. I, if you don't know who Larry Zonka is, uh, Google the man. There is, you couldn't pay me enough to stand in front of him when he's got a head of steam running with a the football. There's, there's not enough pads in the world that would want me to stand in front of that man when he's got a full head of steam. Um, wait, wait, so what wait, I landed wait. on, uh, he's, he's Sorry, a monster. Right. So what I landed on was. Um, in terms of a single season, I looked at Tiger Woods in uh, 2000. So uh, he, yep. in, in 2000, he won pretty much everything that there was to win in golf. But not only did he win it, it's kind of the prime of the Tiger. Um, but the way he won it, I think he, he broke the US record with like a 12 under. Um, then he won like the British Open by nine strokes. Um, I think he won uh, his 19 under broke the major championship record. Um, yeah, so so it wasn't, I think, yeah, sorry, it says he's finished the season with nine total wins at 68 scoring average, which was the lowest in PGA history. So it wasn't necessarily he went on to win everything. He just annihilated everyone in doing so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that was, that's probably the biggest part about Tiger Woods was that his two, it was back in 2000, he was just freakish, mate. Yeah, he... he you can't get, you know, nine total wins in the majors and all that sort of stuff, and having the lowest average in PGA history, uh, you know, without being just probably... Do you reckon he'd have to be the greatest golfer ever, right, wouldn't he? Uh, oh, oh, well, see, this is... this is we, There is no yardstick for the greatest. Like, do you put it as who has had the most PGA wins or sustained success? So I, I reckon he's definitely of our generation. Um mm. And obviously you couldn't you can't put him on a course with the likes of like Arnold Palmer or anything like that for obvious true, reasons. True. That, so how do you measure? And, and back in the day as well, when Arnold Palmer played, probably wasn't the same level of golf that Tiger and and the guys are playing now as well. So yeah, it's, it's a tough one because golf, especially you, you kind of you're not really playing anyone. You're playing the course, and then it just whoever happens to be better on that course, you're not necessarily playing against someone, although you are. So it's, it's an awkward one in itself. No, that's true, because it is an individual sport, but you're kind of playing against a whole pack of other people, so it's it's an interesting one. But, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think but I think uh, that 2000 would probably be, if not the greatest, it'd have to be very, very close to the greatest golfing season uh, in history, for sure. 
Absolutely. So I just I just looked it up, and uh, Tiger Woods played off uh, no no less than um, ten over par uh, to plus thirteen during the two thousand season, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it defies all laws, doesn't it? It's insane. It's just like it's just like you know, like the the law of averages just seemed to not apply to him that year. Um, yeah. I mean, he it just you know normally if you're if you have the most spectacular game, you know, say if I was to go and play some kind of sport or do something, and you just happen to be in the zone, well, the man was in the zone for apparently forever. Like it was just ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, no, that's good. I think we got some, we got some good ones there so far. Um, did you guys? Did you guys have any others? No. There was a lot that were close for me because I looked at I looked at NBA a fair bit, but it's a bit harder with sports like um, like baseball. Although Bondi picked up a great one, mm. and basketball where they're playing eighty two, or in bas- uh, baseball's case, like one hundred and sixty something games a season as well. So you're never oh, yeah. going to get an undefeated. I think that. I found a lot of like the Steph Curry led um, uh, Warriors in the NBA that went. I don't know. They had like four or five losses on the entire NBA season, but then still lost. I think that's when um, LeBron beat the Celtics. I'm like, well, it seems to be silly to talk Yeah, to go. I have to. I should have had the stat in front of me, but to have that many wins or that those fewer losses and then yeah, not win the whole thing. Um, and, and you can throw like the um, Patriots. I think it was O seven. I think they um, went undefeated and they looked like they were going to win it all. And then a nothing Giants team flunked them in the Super Bowl as well. So I actually found a lot of those stories than than um, like so called perfect seasons. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe 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 next week we should talk about the most tragic seasons in sporting history. <laughs> just just uh, Eli Manning destroying Tom Brady's soul um, twice. In fact, yeah, exactly um, right. But uh, I mean, look for me. I, I wanted to pick someone that's uh, that's homegrown as well. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to, to. There was one that that stood out to me. Um, again, somehow I picked two that were in the year that we were born. Um, so there's Barry Sanders back in '88. But the homegrown one I had um, is a name that might sound familiar. But Steffi Graf. Do you guys remember Steffi Graf? Yeah, mate. Yep. So tennis player back in the day. Now in in the year like so back back in '88. Um, she was 19 years old, right? And um, she had the greatest season in tennis history. Still hasn't been beaten, as far as I'm aware, because she she did what's called the Golden Slam, which is where you win all four majors and the Olympic gold medal. So that that is ridiculous. Like if she started off, so she beat uh, the one I don't know is Chris Evert um, in the Australian Open in straight sets, just destroyed him, won the French Open, she beat um, Natasha, Z- uh, I could never say her name right, Zverev, damn it, <laughs> it's Z-E-R-E-V-A, <laughs> but in the final for the French Open, she won six love, six love, I mean, that's just ridiculous, um, and uh, then Wimbledon, she came back to beat Navratilova, um, and uh, she beat Sabatini in three sets of the US Open. Um, which is just nuts. And, I mean, at the age of 19, to do that is just crazy. So I thought that was probably one of the greatest homegrown stars for sure that's, um, that's done something pretty spectacular um, to have something that hasn't been beaten as of yet. But you never know. This year it might be the year to beat it. I don't know. I mean, it is an Olympic year. 
Yeah, Ash Barty for the win. Hey, look at <laughs> I was I was gutted when she lost the Aussie Open, mate. She hasn't. She's off to a poor start. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but uh, no, but look, it, it, it's interesting though. But um, all right, with that, so I reckon that's pretty much all the the nuts and bolts of it. So for 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 the those bits we're going to have a chat about. So why don't we have a look at um. Oh, let's kick off. Let's, let's, I've been dying to know what this AFL news is, mate. The AFL and the wanker of the week. Let's let's get into it. <laughs> uh, so the wanker of the week. It, it, bear with me. It's a little bit uh, a little bit off centre, but it, it's in light of the um, the bushfire relief state of origin the AFL put on. Right, right. So for obviously, uh, you surely would have seen the news. So the AFL put on. We're going to do a state of origin for bushfire relief. A whole event itself, if you watch it, um, was done. In, in really good spirits. So mm-hmm. both teams, Victoria and um, the All-Stars or the Allies, whatever they call them, walked out in the mm-hmm. ground. Uh, they went through the banner together. They had all their um, emergency services, responses, fireys, volunteers out in the ground. It was a really good occasion. The AFL players, again, played it in good spirits. They didn't go hell for leather, but the intensity was there. It, ha- it had every every... Everything except the big heavy contact of the game, but still the guys didn't fall back from any physicality in the game whatsoever. So it had all the all the good positive family. Um, it was there for a great reason. It was put on for a great cause and was, by all accounts, a really successful night. Especially the fact that Victorians got up. Now my <laughs> wanker of the week is for every non-AFL fan who watched this game at a pub or at home or whatever. And I'm leaning toward the NRL fans who then said, this isn't state of origin. <laughs> I, mate, I blew up at the, at the sporties here in Woomera where I had one of the local guys who's a rugby fan going, this isn't state of origin. Where's the biff? Where's this? Carry on. Because I thought, how, how good the AFL did to put this on. And even better, the players, they went, oh, we want this to happen. We want to put it on. They played with the intensity. It had everything there. It was a beautiful, successful night. So for every NRL or non-AFL wanker in every pub to then say anything bad about it, I thought the wanker of the week is going out to all those people. Mate, that's uh, that, that's a good one to say because, I mean, I know with the AFL state of origin, you, you, you can't turn around. I mean, particularly, it's for charity, for God's sake. Like. I mean, good God. That's like, that's like saying that, uh, I don't know, there was too many phones in the telephone, mate. Like, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. Like, they, they you just, uh, mate, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really get it. Because, I mean, they, they put on, there was plenty of big names, like Josh Kelly um, from, from the Giants. It, came it was loaded. It was absolutely yeah, loaded with stars. It was, so, that, I mean, and this is, for those who don't remember the time, is AFL, well, it was VFL versus Snaffle at the time. So they had... One of they had great state of origin battles between Victoria and South Australia, and then obviously died out with the sport becoming uh, so nationalised, and then the calendar becoming so big that the, the fear of injury crept in, and it really wasn't that big. So for the AFL to come out, especially for the cause that it was put on for, and how good the night was, I just hmm. thought for yeah for those people who said those things, who couldn't understand the spirit of the game that it was intended for. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, you're this week's winners. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, nice one. All right, well, that's uh, that's, that's a good wanker of the week, mate. I like that one. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> it, that's uh, all right, let's let's have a look at uh, 
Let's, we'll look at the, the obscure sport of the week. So we've gone from, from having a look at a bunch of wankers, so let's have a look at the sure. Well, yeah, last week was curling. Um, we'll have to keep up on that uh, that gossip, how the World Championships are going. But this week, uh, we're moving into a non-Olympic sport. Uh, this one is cheese rolling. Uh, do, you, do you say Olympic sport? Curling is an Olympic sport. Cheese rolling is certainly not. <laughs> I think we need to start a petition for it. Uh, it sounds fantastic. So what's cheese rolling? Okay, so in the southwest corner of England, um, down this little hill called Cooper's Hill, uh, it's about 120 metres long. They get a nine-pound uh, wheel of cheese at the top with about 14 lads or ladies. Uh, they give the cheese a one-second head start, and you've got to try and catch the cheese down the hill. You've got to catch the cheese? That's the aim of it. Um, however, uh, the cheese gets up to speeds of 70 miles an hour. And so <laughs> Usain Bolt couldn't catch that. <laughs> no, that's right. And with a one-second head start, uh, yeah, it's a pretty tough gig to start with. Um but an interesting fact, in 2013, the wheel of cheese was actually replaced with foam. Uh, for safety reasons, uh, the spectators kept getting injured. <laughs> so, uh, well, what type of injuries are we looking at? Like people just getting axed by people chasing the cheese or the cheese hitting someone in the face and them giving covered in dairy products? Or what, what like what's... Yeah, cheese injuries. So the cheese... <clears throat> Swaying off course, uh, hitting people. Um, people behind the finish line, copping a wheel going 70 miles an hour. Um, Jesus. Obviously, I, the participants I... running down this, this hill in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's three or four ambulances at the scene, um, and they're all usually um, taking people to hospital by the end of the day. So, um, yeah, injuries range from... If, yeah. like, when you look at Google, right, when you put in cheese rolling and then space, right, you've got cheese rolling champions, history, and then deaths. Deaths is number three. So. <laughs> that's yeah. uh, that, that's brutal, mate. That's 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 truly truly hilarious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a serious sport. It really is. But I just I just I, I like. Could you imagine that insurance claim? Like, or if you go to your superannuation, how, how did he die? So, like, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, well, you know, he was rolling this wheel of cheese down and, uh, you know, he just taxed himself. That's it, plain and simple. Yeah, that's it. Um, oh, so like... people, as you just said, Jomo, people are willing to put their lives on the line to win, get this, the wheel that they were chasing. So nine pounds of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So, so that, that's that's the that's literally the prize is the wheel of cheese. Correct. Wow, that is that's amazing. Uh, I'm I'm just looking at some of this now, and this is incredible. That's I'm I'm doing the same. I I'm, I encourage anyone to just Google cheese rolling, and I mean, if you want to look at cheese rolling deaths, then fair enough. But just cheese rolling in general. Um, because there are some spectacular injury photos and just <laughs> just cheese related paraphernalia. It, it's amazing. Mate, uh, I think we've done well there. That's uh, we got the 
We've got a bunch of Muppets talking about, you know, having a go about charity games, and then we've got people rolling cheese down a hill to win some cheese. <laughs> ridiculous. It's amazing, wow. mate. The, the, the world is a truly wonderful place. I oh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to live on any other planet. I don't think. <laughs> no, I agree. Can I just say one thing I've found googling this is that there is someone. So the official host of the ceremony is called the Master of Cheese. The ma- <laughs> sorry, there is a sorry. It's the the Master of Ceremony. They have a, an official cheese Master of Ceremony. That is amazing. Which is the guy who officially holds the cheese to begin the race. That's truly amazing. <laughs> like, how does one become the the master of cheese, though? Like, if, if I if I have aspirations and I'm a, and I'm a cheese fiend and I'm like, you know what, I really want to go and officiate the the cheese rolling. Do I have to start at the bottom and just? Be the guy that picks up the busted cheese at the end of the race, or like, how do I, how do I work ha- my way out? Like, I assume it's like, I, I'm trying to find if there's anything rule related. So, what, like, is there like, what, how do you officiate? Like, I assume the winner is just whoever gets to the cheese first is the winner. So, I imagine no, there's, so like, there's a finish line. So, first across the finish line, chasing this wheel down. Um, and so the, Master of Ceremonies, um, there's a four-second count at the start. Um, the cheese goes on three. Um, the race is going four. So I'd say that's his officiating capacity, is to let the cheese go on three <laughs> as he's counting to four. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, geez. That's truly phenomenal. I'm a big fan of that. Now, that's, that's going to be the rabbit hole I'm going down this evening, uh, looking at cheese. Now, that's cool. Fair enough. But actually, there's a question I need to find out. What type of cheese is it? Cheddar? Are we talking about smoked something else? Like what what type of cheese are we talking? That that's there. There's a whole. There's a lot of questions to be answered. Um, but mate, that's yeah. that's pretty much. Uh, <laughs> that's one of the best sports I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Follow that rabbit hole, mate. <laughs> we'll do, mate. We'll do. But uh, alrighty. Well, did anyone else have any other bits and pieces I wanted to chat about news-wise or anything else? No, I'm all out. All out of news. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I think that's pretty much all the bits and pieces um, for today. I think uh, the only other thing I was going to look at was our draft and see how everyone went with that. How you guys felt with the draft and the season going forward. Um, I know that uh, I was pretty happy with, with the team that I picked. I've got the highest projected score for the round one, which doesn't mean squat, but uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it'll be interesting. But um, I don't know, was there any, anyone, any players you wanted to get that you didn't get? Uh, mate, I'm going with sheer dumb luck. So uh, I think I've got about three players that I actually know in here. Um <laughs> And the rest of them, based on the professionals' uh, opinions. So I'm looking at second overall first-round school, or projected first-round school. Um, like I said, dumb luck. No, mate, that's, that's a fair point. I mean, I, got, I, I, uh, I had to resist and I put a bunch of Collingwood players in there. I still got, I got my, my, uh, my Brodie Grundy and, and I got the goey, uh, which I was pretty happy about, my two, two of my favourite players at the moment, which is great. Um, but unfortunately, I ended up with a bunch of Geelong players. Um, their drives go the wrong way, so it just makes my uh, OCD act up. 
I, I was, I've got a lot of Hawthorne in my team, I've just realised. But the poos and wheeze. Yeah, a lot of poos and wheeze. <laughs> oh, Janice would be proud. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh. But you, um, the, the wife's influence, mate. <laughs> I um I took a gamble. I took a big of a gamble, and I I mean I drafted a player out of spite more than anything. I took Tip and Woody just because I didn't want Ari to have him, which he's still true, yeah. sick. He's still cutting sick about. I'm like second last pick. He's still there. I'd just take him. Beautiful. Um, hey, no, that, that, that's, I'm glad you I'm glad you took him, mate. You got You got to do that to you know. It's a psychological game. Absolutely. Like I'm a, I'm a bit. Uh, I'm a bit up and down about it. I took a couple of risks with the team in the hope that there's um, a couple of kids that will hopefully play a bit better. But, yeah, with just the four of us, it's kind of pretty A-grade players across the board. So I think the games will be relatively close. Uh, mate, it'll be, it'll be good fun. It'll be a good fun, uh, a good fun game, a good fun season, I reckon, um, going forward. It's going to be really interesting for us. Um, plus, it's the first time we've all done it together, so it'll be really interesting. Um, Absolutely. But... Uh, I reckon we'll leave it on that, boys. We'll, we'll wrap it up on that note. Um, but thanks for getting on there. And uh, for anyone that's listening to the podcast, make sure you jump on, review, and uh, subscribe and do all those good things and uh, hit the like button if you can, all that kind of stuff. But even if you hate us, just leave a review. That'd be good fun. <laughs> all right, boys. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon.